All right, how can I be here with you part two? Let's get right into it, it's gonna be awesome. So last week we ended with a series of questions. Uh, and the first question was how or, or even like can we foster social support? Is it by chance the social support just happen or can we actually cultivate it? Particularly in these communities of, of social support, can they have a spiritual component and still not just do more good than harm, but can they do good instead of harm? So kind of a recap, let's say that you have gone through trauma and your neurogenergic system has stalled or shut down completely. So you're having trouble sleeping, and then when you do fall asleep, you're having trouble waking up. Uh, you aren't excited about the things that used to excite you. Everyone that you encounter feels like a threat. Like they feel like they could harm you, they could break you emotionally. No one feels safe. And, and you don't find people or things beautiful anymore. So last week we talked about that one of the most helpful healing tools for you would be that if a group just came along and supported you. Picking up from our story last week, a rabbi, a priest, a shaman, an imam, a nun, and a monk, they enter that conversation around this question. Our people have been hurt. Can they live again? And last week we talked about that the one thing they, came, they, they found that was in common is there was structural support. There was a, a size and a time. There was a time they met there was a size of people that met. And so like that structural support asked the question, how big is this group and how frequent do they offer social interactions? But this week I wanna pick up with the, the, like the most important part of that social support, which is functional, functional. So do I receive things in this group like love and empathy? Do we help each other in practical ways? But here's where it gets tricky. Is this support contingent on identical beliefs? Because if it is contingent on identical beliefs, then we're potentially setting up the injured people to choose a lack of authenticity. And as a result, we're actually damaging their minds more. And that's the problem, right? A lot of these groups that offer social support but have a spiritual component require identical beliefs to belong. And that is not belonging. Uh, my friend, my friend, Dr. Katie Blake, who I uh, consulted quite a bit on this one, what she would say is that uh, belonging means that I can be myself here and fitting in means that I have to be you. And a lot of these groups don't actually offer social support because they don't allow us to belong. So a rabbi, priest, a shaman, an imam, a nun, and a monk enter a conversation around this question. Our people have been hurt. Can they live again? And oddly enough, by entering that conversation, they prove that we can find beautiful healing and social support within spiritual communities without having identical beliefs. Because social support is what they are practicing in this conversation. They come to find healing for others and they find it for themselves in a cognitive diverse and theologically diverse group setting. And I know, I know that that's simply a story, like for sure, for sure. I know it's just, it's a story. 
but it's important because if we want to create spaces like this in the in the real world in real life there are so many things to consider but within my research there are two very important characteristics characteristics that i will be looking for will this group find what is good about your cognitive diversity and will they remain curious about your theological diversity how do you view the world how do you interact with what you cannot see is this group going to be curious about the answer to those two questions in a way that isn't like is it manipulative or goal oriented Are they going to be curious in a way that instead is just simply trying to find those differences and celebrate them? So I've been really struggling with this question for the past several years. And I'm going to be honest, in many ways, this question has shaped my educational path. And that question is, is a healthy spiritual community where I can be who I am as well as find new ways of being possible and if i'm being honest my experience tells me no no that's not possible but there is something in me call it faith or curiosity or whatever you want to call it there's something in me that tells me maybe and that maybe leads me to try So can we foster social support? Here's the hard part of my research that I have been dreading to say. So I'm not a social support expert, I could be wrong, but I can't find a way to create social support for, for myself or for ourselves. It is something that the traumatized person, it's something everybody needs, but it's something particularly that the, the traumatized person needs in order to heal, in order to jumpstart parts of their brain, such as the norogenergic system but I can't find a blueprint for them creating it for themselves. What I can find though, is the ability to be a socially supportive person. If you have the capacity to be there with others, I wanna leave you with the idea of invisible support. This is a new concept for me. My friend Katie, um, my friend Katie took some time to teach me about it. And so this is where, simply put, someone is socially supported, but in anonymous ways. So like anonymous gifts or even gifts that appear to be earned by the person who needs support. But an empathetic, emotional, invisible support seems like it could also be possible. And the way that we offer that invisible emotional support is leading with narrative and questions instead of leading with advice. We never lead with advice. Who needs you to know their story who is the person that needs you to ask them the right questions 